Sportsnet Today. Listen on the air, online, on the Sportsnet app, and always on your smart speaker. Sportsnet 960, the fan, Calgary. Labor Day weekend kicks off across the CFL on Friday. Montreal and Ottawa will kick things off. But, uh, of course, here in Calgary, the big focus is on the Calgary Stampeders and getting set for the first of two against the Edmonton Elks. Welcome back to Sportsnet Today. He's Patrick Dumas. I am Logan Gordon. And with your Thursday edition of the Stamps Report, here's Matty Rose. The Stampeders held their first full practice of the week on Thursday after a bit of a walkthrough situation Wednesday, all of this leading up to the Labor Day Classic Monday as the Stampeders welcome the Edmonton Elks to McMahon Stadium. That'll be a 2.30 kickoff on Labor Day. Earlier in the week, Dave Dickinson told us on the big show in the morning that it would be Jake Mayer starting at quarterback for this game. And sure enough, Mayer did almost all of the first team reps of practice, barring something unforeseen. Bo Levi Mitchell will be backing someone up on Labor Day for the first time since 2013. A long stretch. And Dave Dickinson was asked about how the former MOP is handling the changes. Well, each guy's got to keep working and competing and uh, I feel like I've got a good quarterback room and I know the guy's want to play I just I'm the coach so I get to kind of decide that but just keep keep being positive keep working be ready when your number's called I know they will be That's I, know, it. I mean when you were in kind of the latter stages of your career and the injuries were becoming an issue I know your injury histories are very different but when you were in that position what did you appreciate hearing from coaches or what did you want to hear from a coach in that situation basically whatever I say is not going to be what he wants to hear anyway so my my opinion is I want honesty. Just give me a little integrity. Just what you say, do it. That's it. That's all I really want to do. And so, and I know Bo. I know Bo well, and uh, I know he'll be ready to go uh, when we call him, when we get him back on the field. We also had a chance to talk to Bo Levi Mitchell. Much like the Winnipeg game, he will dress as a backup and be a valuable resource on the sideline or a great option if something happens to Mayer through the course of the game. Mitchell spoke to the media on Thursday and started by talking about how he's trying to manage these changes. You know, my, I mean, I expressed kind of, you know, what I wanted to as far as publicly, uh, you know, in my message that, that I put out there. Um, you know, obviously I have my own, you know, opinions or feelings on the matter. Um, but, uh, you know, my thing is, you know, I, I talked to guys earlier this year that, you know, felt slighted at certain positions, and I just kind of told them, I was like, you know, you can never, you know, when you have your own feelings, your own things about what's going on with you on the field, just never have that become a distraction, you know, to the team. Uh, so that's something I'll never do. I'll never be selfish like that to become a distraction to our team. Um, you know, like I said, I'm just going to continue to, to work. Um, obviously, I have stuff I need to work on, so uh, continue to get better and just uh, make sure that I'm ready to go. I mean, yeah, it's weird, right? Like, uh, it's just it's just different meetings, different on the field. It's boring. It's boring sitting out there doing nothing. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's tough. Obviously, you know, I, I believe in myself, and I want to be the guy. I want to be out there at all times. Um, you know, but I believe in uh, all three of the quarterbacks we have in that room uh, and the guys that are making decisions up top. Has that drive changed the way? Have you learned anything about yourself and just this sort of a different kind of adversity for you? Have you learned anything about yourself in the last few years? Uh, I have, and I think I, I will continue to. You know, I think, uh, you know, I'm just not going to be somebody to kind of like, you know, you know, panic and, you know, press the alarm. Um, you know, in my life, I, I've faced a lot of tough things, and I think, uh, what I've learned is the more that I've faced those things head on, the better of a person and, and uh, you know, athlete and quarterback I've become. So I'll just try to continue to do that. So you got some things to work on. What are some skills or just some things that you see you need to work on? Uh, man, just be more efficient. You know, I think, um, 
I think watching, you know, watching Jake that last game, I think one thing he did was he was he was very accurate uh, on the short throws. He was efficient in everything he did, screen game, uh, quick game. Um, you know, I kind of did the same thing, a self-assessment whenever Arbuckle played for the couple games that I was out. Um, you know, just kind of watching what he did because it's running the same offense and kind of seeing just, hey, okay, what is, what is he doing to be successful and what can I take from, you know, those games? Um, you know, I've kind of always done that in my entire career, whether it was from, you know, Ricky Ray, Kyle Vio, Riley, uh, guys like that. I think we all kind of try to steal from each other. So uh, when you have a guy out there running the same offense as you and see, you know, something he's doing and doing well, um, you know, realize, you know, maybe, okay, maybe some things there that I can work on to uh, – Continue to get better so that when it is, uh, you know, my number called, that uh, the offense runs smoothly. So for now, it's the Jake Mayer Show. And why not? Despite the loss, Mayer had a solid stat line for his fourth career start, 23 for 28 passing, 294 yards, and three touchdowns all to Malik Henry, just six yards short of making it four straight 300-yard passing games to start his career. The Stampeders' offense is slowly getting healthy as well. That's a good sign for Mayer. National receiver Richard Sindani was taking reps with the first team after he missed a couple of games with a hamstring issue. In fact, it looks like the team will have to make some decisions at receiver with a healthy complement that includes Kamar Jordan, Reggie Bagleton, Malik Henry, and Sean Bain as Americans, and then Sindani, Luther Hakunavanu, Jalen Philpot, Tyson Middlemost, and Colton Hunchak all available. They also look to have all three running backs, Kadeem Carey, Diedrich Mills, and Peyton Logan, so they'll have to make a decision there as well. Sean McEwen's still missing at center, but it looks like the right tackle, Julian Good-Jones, is going to come off the six-game injured list early from a shoulder injury, make it four of five of their normal starters on the O-line. Just Bryce Bell in for Sean McEwen at center due to injury right now. On the defense, it sounds like linebacker Jameer Thurman and defensive back Brandon Dozier are both going to be activated from the six-game injured list early too, much like Good-Jones. Silas Stewart has filled in admirably while Thurman was out with a knee injury, but anytime you can get someone of Thurman's caliber back in the lineup, you don't waste any time doing it. Yeah, I mean, Thurm, uh, you know, he's wearing a brace, but I think he moves pretty well. I'll check out on the film. Um, you know, we missed him. Our linebacker play has been solid, but with Thurm, we, we think it'll go up that much more, and I'd like to think that he's close, if not ready this week. As for Brandon Dozier, had a strong day A, but was more limited on day one Thursday. They could certainly use him because Titus Wall was still seen in a walking boot, and Darius Williams, the other player who stepped into the Sam position this season, has been in a sling for the last couple days after he got hurt against Winnipeg. So the options for Sam are limited. Friday's closed practice could be make or break for Dozier, said head coach Dickinson. He did about half. So, uh, so what happened yesterday, he just got a little sore as a muscle. Um, so he wanted to be a little cautious today. He'll need to get through a full practice tomorrow in order to, to be ready to go. And I've mentioned it in Stamps reports before, but it's kind of wild how the Sam linebacker position has changed for the Stampeders. Brandon Dozier did it in 2021 and could have been a thought for the position in the offseason. Then he got hurt, Titus Wall filled in, and he was having a rookie of the year caliber season before he hurt his foot. Then Darius Williams filled in, but he did so briefly before he also got injured, did make a couple of key plays against Toronto. The wildest part is Williams and Wall probably would have been behind Javian Elliott on the depth chart after Elliott was here in 2021 impressed and was expected to maybe step into the starting Sam position for 2022 but he's been hurt with an awful sounding groin injury that's taking longer to heal than expected basically it was a it was a groin but it was from what we were told they hadn't really seen it to that extent uh, a two to three month injury but we're past three months I think I think you'll see Javian fairly soon but 
you know, he's not comfortable. We had him out. He's just not comfortable, you know, with the transition of going, you know, opening up that groin. And sometimes uh, injuries can be healed physically, but mentally you've got to get over a barrier as well. And um, we're being straight up with him. He's being straight up with us. Yeah, he should be one of our better players in the back end. And we were loving what he was doing in camp. Unfortunately, it just hasn't been the, the start of the year that he's wanted. The secondary is changing constantly. It probably will again this week with Williams not available and the possible return of Dozier. Other available defensive backs would be Jonathan Moxie, Brad Muhammad, Deontay Ruffin, Natrell Jamerson, Kobe Williams, Tremaine Washington, and then Ellie Buka, Nick Stats, and Daniel Ameko as national defensive backs. I asked Coach Dickinson if there's any bonus whatsoever to the turnstile that they've had to work with in the secondary and that due to injuries more so than poor play. Well, I think it's good for the players because they've every time you play, every time you've been on the field, every situation you've been in, everything that you've done, you should be able to draw on that, be better the next time. Um, but it is a, it's a group that usually you don't have a lot of injuries in uh, traditionally. And then the way we play, we're such a communication, trust of that guy next to you. We both see the same picture. That's what's been very difficult. So they're working on it, and, and uh, there's still heavy competition. Like I said, I don't know what I'm going to go with this week. So it is good to see these guys out here competing. Now it is that time of year, Labor Day week, when the NFL cuts start to ponder playing in the CFL. The NFL season begins September 8th. Teams had to cut down to 53 players on Tuesday, but that doesn't mean that any player that was cut won't end up on a practice roster making some really good money prior to the NFL season getting underway. Some of the players the Stampeders are keeping tabs on are 29-year-old defensive back Tavon Campbell, a Stampeders draft pick back in 2015, Rice and John, who is a 2020 third round pick and then James Vauders a former Stampeder who spent some time in the Chicago Bears organization yeah we drafted Tavon and um, seems like a long time ago 2015 maybe something like that um, you know I definitely yes we have reached out to lots of agents but we also understand that when you get cut in the NFL you kind of need a couple days to digest it and you don't want to overreach um, I've personally talked with Rice and John and because he's now approximately three weeks out. Listen, we, we, we like to, to look at the players that are good football players and especially guys that we have history with. But we also have good players here and we got to be fair to them. But yeah, we're always going to be looking for some uh, influx of talent. Have you talked to James Uh Not personally, but you know, we've talked to uh, Vaught for a while. Uh, I love Vaught. I think his work ethic is out there. It's really good. So uh, I hope he hooks back on. You know, like that's the thing. We, we want these guys to succeed uh, in the NFL and uh, ultimately take every chance you get. And, and if you're ready to come up north and play with us, great. As Dave said, they'll probably take some time, some thinking from guys about what the next step is going to be. Of course, the Stampeders did get Reggie Bagleton and Trey Roberson late in 2021 after they were in similar situations. We'll see some trickle up north sooner rather than later, but certainly nothing immediate. Immediate is the Labor Day Classic. You can still grab $19 tickets, and uh, the Stampeders actually had to extend the family zone due to high demand. So I love that. More families, more better. Gridiron tailgate with live music and entertainment for the whole family starts at 12.30 as well. It's the best tailgating in the country, and it's the best game of the summer for my money. So what are you waiting for? With your Stampeders Report, I'm Matt Rose. 
Thank you, Matt. Uh, appreciate the stamps reports. As always, uh, you can catch Matt on the big show in the morning here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan, and, of course, uh, the place to go for all your Stampeders coverage ahead of Labor Day on Monday afternoon. Wanted to play this for you as well. Matt had a chance to catch up with Derek Wigan of the Calgary Stampeders. Uh, Derek playing in, a, I believe it's going to be his fourth or fifth Labor Day Classic by now. Uh, key member of that Stamps defense, and Matt got a chance to catch up with him after Stamps practice earlier today. We're here with uh, Derek Wigan, defensive lineman for the Stampeders. We're getting set for one of my absolute favorite moments of the year, the Labor Day Classic coming up on Monday. Um, but I wanted to ask you about the road trip first. You get the win in Toronto, a loss yep. in Winnipeg. Um, maybe just some overall thoughts on uh, how things have progressed over the course of that road trip. Uh, you know, like um, it was both games were against really good teams. Uh, play very high level playoff caliber teams and just you know you know you like to get like we got the split you would like we would like to gone undefeated on that road trip we had our opportunities but you know I felt like as a team we fought we fought both games like you know two games in five days is tough but we fought the whole time it's just you know execution. TJ Ram's been out for a little bit and it's kind of caused a little bit of a shuffle on the defensive line how have you liked how things have kind of changed up especially on the interior with McLean getting some more work with Mike Rose there no like it, it's been it's been great like T-Mac uh, T-Mac stepped up no, like there's been he's a consummate professional so that's nice you know uh, we're the, uh, uh, he's consummate so it's not real no drop off or anything it's just like he stepped in we haven't missed a beat I mean we've just kept rolling from there and it's nice to have Isaac Adeyemi Berglund as another Canadian on the line yeah. to kind of spell off for you as well yeah yeah yeah, exactly. Like like Berg's, like uh, the just amount of growth he's had this year is just amazing. It's just kind of like he works so hard. You know, I'm just so happy for his like what he's like just the plays he's made. I know he's gonna he has a lot more to come, a lot more big plays to come. So he's uh, he's a guy who's ascending. And he's a dog on special teams as well. Do you like seeing your guys go out there, like your defensive line type of guys who go out there, make plays, and then they'll come out and they'll make plays on the defense as well? Because it's, it's an important part of the game. 100%. You know, you're a complete football player. You're able to contribute on the, on the on special teams and on defense. Like, that's kind of like how I made my bones mm -hmm. up. And, like, I feel like, you know, once you get you once you prove it in special teams that you can play, now it's like, okay, can you play on – play on defense can you do both roles so like it's just like that's just like you know the more guys get do it, the more better our team is Jameer Thurman looks like he's trending to be back how does that help uh, your defense especially in that run game uh it's great to have Thurman back you know he's a vocal really vocal guy like Silas good did a good job but you know it's nice to have Thurman he's a nice little common presence back there especially for our front and for our back end Tell me about the Elks and the challenge that they pose as they come in here and try and get a win on Labor Day. Try, I think, is probably the keyword. Well, like they're like they're a team. Like they don't really have much to lose, right? Like they they're looking for a win. You know, they beat us here last Labor Day, and you know, like kind of, you know, you don't want we gotta get that back. You know, they beat us last Labor Day, and like you know, they're a team that's like they get better, like they're getting better. Like it might not show in the record, but they're getting better. Um, they're like, no, we're going to be playing against Ante, former Stamp. Like he's probably revved up, ready to play us. So you know, we gotta, we gotta bring it. Like we definitely gotta bring it. This is a cl like clutch time of the year, and so we gotta bring it. We can't take them lightly. Do you think you're gonna hear a lot from Ante? Do you think he's gonna be a guy who's chirping a lot? Because I know you, that's not really your style. Uh, I don't think Ante will. Like, provided we keep him under control, I don't think he'll chirp too much. But like, you know, you don't want you don't want him feeling himself. He's not really a chirper, but you know, you don't want those guys that like if he's feeling himself he starts saying anything so you know we we want to play against well against Ante he wants to play well against us so we gotta we gotta be on our p's and q's thanks Derek always yeah. appreciate it all right thank you appreciate it there you go defensive tackle for the Calgary Stampeders 
Derek Wigan getting set for the Labor Day Classic. Great chat with Matt there uh, after practice. And yes, uh, former Stampeder running things uh, for the backfield of the Edmonton Elks. Uh, Ante, Ante Milanovic Litre, uh, just with the Litre on the jersey now. Uh, but uh, number 34 went up the road to Edmonton and uh, has kind of been running things there. They've gone through some injuries. James Wilder Jr. has been hurt mm-hmm. for a lot of the year, but uh, he's kind of the big guy there, and it'll be a bit of a rematch for him. Yeah, a little bit of friendly fire there from a, from a guy they know, which would always adds to, uh, which is already a uh, a big CFL rivalry, the Labor Day Classic between the Stampeders and the and the now Edmonton Elks, and all the social media teams been going at it all day over the schedule and how the stamps have dominated them, but the Elks were able to finally pull one out on Labor Day last year. So this uh, this is the best weekend, I believe, in all of CFL football, and I uh, can't wait for Monday afternoon. Going to be a good one. Uh, that's the first of two on Monday. You also have the Battle of Ontario. You've mm-hmm. seen this one before. Uh, plenty this year. Yeah. Uh, Argos and the <laughs> Hamilton Tiger Cats from Tim Hortons Field. It will be Dane Evans getting the start. No Matthew uh, Schultz. As Matthew Schultz has that wrist injury. Sunday at 4 o'clock, Winnipeg and Saskatchewan. Labor Day Classic from a sold-out Mosaic Stadium. Uh, I imagine we'll hear news after that, uh, not long after that, that the uh, IG Field in Winnipeg. Advantageable is sold out, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. not surprising. Yeah. Uh, two huge games for Saskatchewan there uh, against uh, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And then things kicking off tomorrow, the Ottawa Red Blacks and now the Montreal Alouettes, who are uh, busy this week. The two trades, one with Edmonton, mm-hmm. one with BC, trading away Vernon Adams Jr. to the BC Lions. And uh, Avery Ellis, the pass rusher, getting sent to Edmonton. So we'll see what happens here. Uh, Ottawa and Montreal. Uh, Ottawa feels like they're pretty far out of it, but I think they look better under Nick Arbuckle. Yeah. And Montreal's got so much going off of the field right now, mm-hmm. it's hard to concentrate on what's happening on the field. Yeah, who knows? Uh, like, you're not out of it in the East Division. You know, Ottawa's only two, I believe, two points back of Montreal for the playoffs, or four points out of the, out of the, the final playoff spot in the East Division. So... You know, getting a big win this week would do wonders for Paul Lapolis, who's to, you know only the set, only two wins this year, uh, two wins I believe a year ago as well. So it's obviously not been a great start to his time in Ottawa. So who knows what happens this week? A lot of happening with Montreal. No Gary Stern now. Uh, Vernon Adams out the door, but Trevor Harris is probably playing some of his best uh, football in 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 many years as he's uh, trying to rebuild his career up. Uh, as the quarterback of the Montreal Alouettes, but like I said, going to be a big weekend, uh, big one out east uh, with those uh, with those two massive tilts with Ottawa, Montreal, and Toronto, and Hamilton. The Stampeders injury report today: um, probably a mixed bag. If you're a Stampeders fan heading into Monday, now good news is still lots of time before we get there. Here is who is on the injury report and their status from Thursday. Kadeen Carey and Brandon Dozier, both limited at Thursday's avail. You heard Matt uh, chatting with Dave Dickinson there, uh, talking about Brandon Dozier. Uh, He's had just terrible luck this year. Mm -hmm. Started on the six-game injured list. Came back for one game I thought played extremely well for the Stamps and then went right back on that six-game injured list. He's off of it now and back at practice, but may not be ready for Monday. Julian Good-Jones, the starting right tackle, full practice off the six-game injured list. Should be back in action on uh, Monday. That's great news. Uh, Colton Hunchak missed practice with uh, an illness. Jalen Philpot dealing with a shoulder injury. He was a full participant. Ryan Sevier limited on the O-line. Full practices from Richard Sindani and Jameer Thurman. Darius Williams, who you also heard Matt mention in that uh, Stamps report, 
uh, did not practice with a shoulder injury. Uh, so those three guys that we've talked about off the six-game mm-hmm. injured list, Dumas, Julian Good-Jones and Jameer Thurman both had full practices. That's good. Brandon Dozier still limited. And you heard Dave Dickinson yeah. say, He's going to need a full practice if he wants to play on Monday. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, let's start with with uh, Julian Good Jones. Getting him back is huge for that offensive line. Getting four regular starters back now. Only Sean McEwen left to to come back. Uh, maybe he'll come back later on this year for sure. But no, it's uh, it's a little bit a de- little bit better uh, injury report as well as uh, as, the, as this uh, opens up. And yeah, if he can get Kadeem Carey back next week, perhaps uh, who knows what happens with the Stampeders team as they try and catch BC. Yeah, and it's not your typical, yeah. you know, Thursday injury report ahead yeah. of a Saturday. No, you've got the extra game. day here for sure, extra couple days for sure with yeah. the Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, so uh, take everything with, mm-hmm. you know, a, a bit of a grain of salt as always on injury reports. Mm-hmm. But, you know, just uh, with the Labor Day weekend and being what it is for the Stampeders as always, uh, make sure that you're just a little bit extra cautious because, like we said, there's lots of time for these guys to get back into uh, a practice ahead of Monday's game. So we'll keep an eye out. Matt will have one more stamps report for us tomorrow afternoon before we get set for the weekend and before that uh, long weekend tilt at McMahon. Uh, make sure you get your tickets. Should be a great night at McMahon. It's good afternoon, yep. I should say. Yeah, 2 o'clock uh, start. Uh, hopefully, I mean, it's probably going to be still hot regardless, but maybe you don't get the 30s degrees while the sun's banging down. Either way, it can be a Some great people day. like that, though. Some people like the heat sitting in that. I, Some people I'm would prefer. It, the but... shady side of McMahon has been the popular side oh, of McMahon 100%. this year. Uh, but <laughs> maybe a little more in the light, maybe, uh, maybe on Monday. If you're one of those people, like my father, who just never seems to burn no matter what happens, <laughs> then, yeah, you'll be fine <laughs> if so you're... A normal person like me that has to shower in uh, sunscreen before anything happens, uh, before you even walk out into any sort of sun. It's the burn risk for sure, but like sitting out there, like I have it down at Cavs games for sure. It's like when that sun pounds on you for a few hours, it just it just drains you. Yeah, see, I don't. For me, it's I don't mind being in the sun if I have a cool beverage. I'm, I'm more than good to go for a couple of hours if the football's good. Even better. It's just for me. It's just I'm so fair skinned. Uh, that I'm I'm just gonna look like a tomato after everything's done, and I can't take that risk. Uh, I, I just I simply don't have the uh, capacity to uh, to deal with that That's sort fair. of look. So uh, if you are though, make sure you get your tickets. Have some some fun at McMahon on uh, Monday afternoon. We'll take a break. Come back on the other side. Wrap up the program with another edition of Headlines. Patrick Dumont's got that next here on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. All day long, we do the searching, the editing, the filtering. We find the good stuff, add some opinion, and call it Sportsnet 960 Headlines. All right, final segment of the uh, program today. It's been a busy one on this Thursday. Oh, it's a little bad. With a look around the sports world, we turn it over to Patrick Dumas. Patrick, where are we going? Uh, we'll start in uh, Major League Baseball. Uh, when you look at it over the last six, the Jays—they're only two and four, and they lost—and uh, they lost a game in the standings to the Rays and Mariners, uh, and let the Orioles come within two games. Now the Jays were unable to put together a sweep of the Cubs last night. Again, getting behind early, and their only offense came from two home runs. Jays fall seven-five. Now off to begin a three-gamer with the Pittsburgh Pirates over the weekend. A nice weekend for one of the most uh, picturesque ballparks in all of Major League Baseball at PNC. Park in Pittsburgh. The Pirates, way back everyone in the National League, uh, just uh, the Nationals worse than them at 49 and 81. But the the news today for the Blue Jays was rosters expanded around Major League Baseball. The Jays have added two names to the current crop. Bradley Zimmer back with the club after being DFA'd 
uh, last month, claimed by the Phillies. He was DFA'd again by them. Now back with Toronto, adding another layer of security with a not-so-100% George Springer and Tejasker Hernandez patrolling the outfield. And Casey Lawrence, maybe a little bit of a surprise getting the call-up from Buffalo. But since being optioned by the big club earlier this year, he's strung together a nice season, going 9-4 and with 2.76 ERA in 20 games. Likely an option if the Jays need long-term relief or perhaps maybe get spot start against the Orioles or Rays in one of those doubleheader games they'll have over the next uh, couple weeks. I know they'll have the doubleheader on Monday against Baltimore. They still have one more roster spot available. Jays writer Mitch Bannon on Sports Illustrated points out that Julian Merriweather, Hayden Younger, Nate Pearson, Thomas Hatch, Trent Thornton, and Zach Pop are all options as we get into September. The Jays finished the month of August 13-14. and 14. Uh, The first month they've had this entire year where they were below 500. How does manager John Schneider feel about turning the calendar to September? I like it. You know, you put yourself in position to have success and, you know, to be in every game that matters for a playoff stretch down the last month. That's great. You know, with that, um, if you want to call it pressure, that's awesome. I think that's earned and we've definitely earned that. Um, A lot of teams have earned that to this point. So, you know, the group of guys that are in there are embracing the fact that every game is going to be important. And I think it's great for some of the young guys that we have that are, you know, doing this again like they did last year. And it's great that we have veteran leadership on both sides of the ball. So um, we're looking forward to the challenge. It's going to be, you know, this is why you play. This is what you play for, right? To play meaningful games in September and hopefully beyond. So it's a great opportunity for that entire group. Definitely is a great opportunity for this team. Logo, what are your feelings on this group entering the final month? Well, it was a disappointing month of August, uh, especially how it ended up. Um, there's really no way around it for me that you have to be better than 13 and 14 in oh, the yeah. closing months. And it, with this that squad. record could have looked incredibly better with two good series against the Angels and the Cubs, and you weren't able to, to put that together. So you put yourself in a position for a playoff spot, but you have to go out and earn it this last month of September. It's easier said than done, given the quality of your opponents really goes up. There's a lot of divisional games. There's a lot of, uh, you know, just tough teams that are already in playoff positions. Of course. Uh, so I, I think it's hard to feel fully confident with this group right now, given the the ups and downs that they've had. But we, we've known for a long time the talent's there. Can they put it together at the right time of year to, to make an actual move of this and to make something of this season? We'll see. It's. I think that's still to be determined in all of this. And Jay's off tonight. They begin a three-game set with the Pittsburgh Pirates tomorrow. 4.37 start, I believe. We'll have it for you right here on Sportsnet 960. The fan checking in with the rest of the American League wildcard picture. Uh, Rays off today, but the Orioles and Mariners both in action on this Thursday. Orioles two back of Toronto. Mariners two up on Toronto. Orioles playing their finale with the Cleveland Guardians right now. Let's check in. And it'll be Shane Bieber to Cedric Mullins. One all-star to another, and Mullins racks the first pitch down the line and right toward the pole, and out of here. Well, that didn't take long. A first pitch assault, an opening ambush levied by Cedric Mullins for a 1-0 Baltimore lead. Six off the bat. Nothing to show for it. Here's Santander, a blast to right field, and another home run on the first pitch. Well, the Orioles, who had two runs in 24 and two-thirds innings against Shane Bieber career, have two runs on two swings in the first inning. Anthony Santander with his 24th, 
also on the first pitch, and it is 2-0 in the blink of an eye. Orioles quickly get to Shane Bieber, making it 2-0 after one. It's now 3-0 Baltimore. This one's in the bottom of the fifth inning. So Baltimore, with a win, could get within a game of Toronto for that final wild card spot. And the Mariners, they were looking for the sweep of the Tigers. They did, 7-0 over Detroit. Their next opponent will be the Cleveland Guardians, beginning a three-game set over the weekend. So definitely big Cleveland fans uh, this weekend if you were uh, if you're the Jays. Yeah, things are already complicated. You're like we, we talked about with Roger Lejoie earlier. They're in a good spot, but you're not home and cooled. And everybody's playing against one another. <laughs> well, yeah, and you, we've talked about for it feels like months now. These games against the Orioles this month are going to be so incredibly important, and they're already huge games and. The more that Baltimore wins, the more important that they're going to become. So mm-hmm. let's see what, what happens when they meet up. But in the meantime, when you have these series against other teams, yeah. and let's be frank, lower teams like the Detroit, uh, not the Detroit Tigers, excuse me, the Pittsburgh Pirates, mm-hmm. you have to you have to win those games. It's just if you want to maintain that pace, then at least you can go into a series with the Orioles and get a split and not feel like a wasted series. But if you're going to miss games against the Pirates, the Angels, the Cubs, you're going to let teams like Baltimore back in this race, and that's kind of what the Jays have done. To hockey now, the Dallas Stars, they've taken care of a big piece of business for them. Uh, for, ho- for folks around here know quite well, uh, RFA Jake Ottinger has signed a new long-term deal with the Dallas Stars through the 2024-2025 season. Three years, $12 bucks, AAV $4 million per season. Ottinger, coming off 30 wins last season, became the Stars' number one goalie when he really had to with the injuries that were going on there. Uh, but he had his coming out party probably in last year's first or in last year's first round against the Flames, eventually falling in Game Seven of overtime. Ottinger only 23, of course, being RFA again at the end of this deal. That leaves the main offensive catalyst from one year ago, 40 goal man Jason Robertson, as the club's lone restricted free agent. Now I know Dallas Morning News and Stars beat writer Matthew Frank suggested, and I know Owen Newkirk did as well that uh, maybe a contract similar to the lines of Matthew Kachuk, Matt Barzell, that they signed coming out of an entry-level deal, uh, $7 million per. Stars have about $6.3 million in cap space. Perhaps we see goaltender Anton Kudobin end up in the AHL for a little bit, maybe ends up on LTIR as he had hip surgery in the spring, probably won't be ready for training camp, but the Stars taking care of uh, one half of their big business left to go. Yeah, this is uh, one of those tough negotiations that you run into in the NHL where guys have far exceeded their ELCs, but at the same time, are you fully comfortable giving Jake Ottinger Mm -hmm. eight years, $10 million per season? Probably not, even despite the great playoff that he has. I think he's got every chance to be their starting goaltender, but like we pointed out when we talked to Owen earlier, 77 career NHL games in the regular season. That's not a lot. Are you willing to hedge $80 million on 77 games? Because I don't think most not GMs yet. are. Uh, and that's not that's not a shot at him. That's, no, I, no. I think that's, you know, just good business. I think as a GM, uh, you'd probably, you know, like to sign him long term. But you, you have to be realistic about these sort of things. So I think that it's a good piece of business. It's a good contract. If you're the Dallas Stars, you'll be happy if he exceeds your expectations and earns a, a bigger contract on the other side of it. That's the, the dream goal in all of this, is that he lives up to it and you are able to pay him more money at the end of it because he did turn into your franchise goalie and was as good as he looked in this NHL postseason. The Robertson one is interesting because I think you can throw all these comparables around all you want, mm-hmm. but again, the Dallas Stars hold all the cards here. 
if they really don't want to pay Jason Robertson more than $6 million, then he has to sit out. And he doesn't, he doesn't want to accept that, then that's what it is. So mm-hmm. uh, when you're that RFA without any leverage, no RFA options, uh, no arbitration options, excuse me, you're kind of stuck with what the team's going to give you. And mm-hmm. I don't think the Dallas Stars are sitting here offering him one year, $1 million by oh, any yeah. means. Yeah, exactly. I don't think they're looking to piss him off. Uh, but if they're trying to say, hey, look, we're not in a position right now to give up anything cap-wise mm-hmm. to make this work, we feel that 6 to $7 million is a fair number for you to be at, then maybe we're waiting for this thing to get done and we're waiting a little bit closer to, to training camp because that's really the only thing you can do in that spot as an RFA without uh, Arbright's, Patrick, is use time as your leverage, right, and get into training camp with a new coach and say, yeah, I'd really like to be out there with Pete DeBoer and learning the new system and getting ready for the year, but mm-hmm. you guys won't pay me. So uh, as soon as that's done, then I'll, I'll be there. So it, it's a tough situation. I, I think both sides are in a difficult mm-hmm. spot, but at the same time, you're the Dallas Stars. You need to get these deals done. You want both yeah. of these guys in your future for the long term. Yeah, I don't think we see a William Carlson situation here where Robertson's not playing and it's December and then he signs a deal. I don't, Are I you think, talking Nylander? Or sorry, Neil, yeah, Nylander, my yeah. bad. William Nylander. Carlson. <laughs> but no, yeah, no, Nylander, I got what you're yeah. saying. Yeah, but no, yeah, I don't think we see a Nylander situation here. Uh, but who knows? Uh, Jason Robertson definitely worth uh, a big payday. As he uh, tries, to, he's a forty goal man. Uh, some other NHL stories as well. Uh, a couple PTOs signing, a couple former Flames finding uh, some work for training camp. Tyler Petlick uh, getting a deal done with the St. Louis Blues, and James Neal signing a PTO with the Columbus Blue Jackets. What? <laughs> what? Somebody's still giving James Neal work. To the end. Well, I mean, the Oilers are still paying him, so <laughs> yeah. might as well play hockey while uh, Edmonton's still paying you. I don't get this. Did anyone watch Tyler Pitlick? play last year and James Neal was just on a PTO with the St. Louis Blues last year and he made him he made the team out of camp wasn't good enough for the entirety of the year and then got sent down to the AHL so maybe Maybe. this is an AHL play maybe for the uh for the Columbus Blue Jackets but I'm sorry I don't think James Neal's been NHL caliber since going back to his time in Calgary the guy was not interested in in doing any of the hard work that made him successful before so Mm -hmm. Okay, I mean Tyler Pitlick. I, I guess I'm camp sure. bodies. Yeah, I guess. I mean, he's got NHL experience, and it's no risk on the team to bring him in. But I don't think he wowed anyone here in Calgary in a short period of time. I don't think Montreal was. I mean, you need guys for your your blue red games, your blue white games. I guess, man. <laughs> it's just team I don't Nash know. I just Steve Vaborny. Would you not rather <laughs> take a chance on somebody? I don't know. I just for me, it's they're very odd. I guess they're just PTOs. Yeah. I, I'm not going to get up in arms about them. It could be nothing. It just Some seems guys very still strange for me. Yeah, good for them, I guess. To the NFL, Broncos country. Broncos country, let's ride. Yeah, let's ride. Uh, the Denver Broncos are the new shiny quarterback. That is so corny. Yeah, I know. Uh, everybody's doing it now. <laughs> Russell Wilson and them have come to a new agreement on an extension. It's five years, $245 million, with $165 million of that guaranteed. The extension will keep Wilson in the Mile High City through 2028. The average salary on this one is $49 million. That's just a million bucks shy of Aaron Rodgers. Wilson already had two years left on this deal. He signed in Seattle. Uh, suggesting he wants to play another 10 to 12 years. Nathaniel Hackett and him have been attached at the hip all camp. 
going to be fun to see what happens here in Denver, but the Broncos getting their guy signed long-term. He's getting some of that Walmart money. Yeah, Rich Stoner's uh, in the league now. Yeah, good for him. Uh, look, Russell Wilson, I think, is worth this. That's a Super Bowl-caliber quarterback. I mean, that's what it's going to cost to, to bring Russell Wilson back. And if you're the Denver Broncos, you've had just painful, painful experiences of Paxton Lynch and Drew Locke and Brock Osweiler and the list goes on and on. The the John Elway failed drafting quarterback list is extremely long. I don't have to tell Broncos fans that. And, nope. hey, the last time you brought in a guy uh, with a similar pedigree in Peyton Manning, it worked out extremely well. I think that this Broncos offense has been held back by the quarterback play the last couple of years. Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton could be a dynamic duo for this team along with a young, explosive running back in Javante Williams. Mm-hmm. Is the defense as good as it was Peyton, Mar- Peyton Manning era in Denver? Probably not. Probably not, but they've got some intriguing pieces. Justin Simmons is an incredible safety. Yep. I like Sertan. Pat Sertan a lot. Yep. That's a really good player there. Uh, you know, do the do the edge rushers and the linebackers have that same, uh, you know, depth that they had during the Peyton Manning era? No, but I think you're a much better team with Russell Wilson in the fold. Get this deal done. Get him locked up, and now you can concentrate on those other areas of your team if you're the Denver Broncos. This just makes a whole lot of sense. The Tennessee Titans also uh, reworked the contract with Derrick Henry to give him a $2 million raise in 2022. Henry will now earn $14 million this season, the most out of any running back. Uh, he will be a free agent after the 2023 season. Uh, Titans also losing Harold Landry today to a torn ACL, so a big loss to their defensive unit in Nashville. Uh, to the NBA, the rebuild for the Jazz continues. ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski reports that uh, it's uh, it's pretty much done now. So the Jazz sending Donovan Mitchell to the Cleveland Cavaliers in exchange for Laurie Markkinen, Oshai Ajbaji, Colin Sexton, and Cleveland's unprotected first-rounders in 2025, 2027, and 2029, as well as pick swaps in 2026 and 2028. Some of these kids uh, haven't even entered high school that they'll be <laughs> drafting down the line. But Sexton uh, signed a four-year, $72 million, fully guaranteed contract as part of the sign-and-trade. Mitchell, the three-time All-Star who will turn 26 next week, joins a promising young core of Darius Garland, Evan Mobley, Jarrett Allen in Cleveland. All four players are locked up long-term with Mitchell's contract uh, for the next three years. And as for the Jazz, this was the second piece of their major rebuild. Uh, club already sending Rudy Gobert to the Minnesota Timberwolves back in July. The NFL off, uh, the NBA offseason, excuse me, is just madness. Every single year, there is star players on the move, uh, teams that you didn't expect to be. I mean, anybody have the Cleveland Cavaliers on top of their list for this? Because... I don't know. Maybe I'm a more casual NBA observer, Dumont, but I, I don't think I had. I didn't see anything that I said think the, the Cavs, Cavs had were... the pieces to try and make this move, but I, I think they weren't at the front of the forefront yeah, of a lot they, of people's yeah, minds. Were they the the top target for Donovan Mitchell? I don't. I think, think a lot so. of people were talking Knicks, but they got there. Like RJ Barrett was going to be involved in that deal, and then they got a long term contract done with him. So I mean, good on Donovan Mitchell avoiding New York. Yeah, I, I guess. I just I'm, I'm always amazed at the uh, amount of star talent that gets moved around this league uh, time after time. And hey, good for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, try to be, you know, somewhat relevant outside of when LeBron James has yep. been on your team in the last exactly. two decades. So um, it's it's so tough when you're not a major market team in the NBA sometimes to make these things happen. Uh, but good on them. I, I think you're here for that. I also love. It never ceases to amaze me uh, 
you know, when we go from the NHL where everybody's so, even the Flames trade on Monaghan, right? All the rules that goes along, the conditions on picks, and they're, mm-hmm. they hold on to every pick. In the NBA, it's just candy. Get the heck it out is of here. just throw ins to everything. Three unprotected first rounders, two pick swaps. Can you imagine if that happened in the NHL? There's no way that that would ever happen unless it was oh the God. absolute top player in the league. It would have to be a McDavid deal, mm-hmm. and then it would be 10 first-rounders, and no one would do it. No. It's incredible the kind of capital that they move around in the NBA for draft picks. I can't even imagine the last time they had a draft board with 1 through 30 <laughs> was actually the list of teams that were yeah. placed there in the lottery. It's been it's a while. never sure. happened because it's just... <laughs> We just throw you. You want to do a trade? Yeah, let's do a trade. Okay, take my twenty thirty two. You can have you can have twenty forty five first rounder. Like that guy's not even born. Stop yet. doing that. You can't do that. Yeah, when I'm dead, you can have my first rounder. Okay, sure, let's do it. Uh, let's go to some tennis here. Canadians went two and two in singles action yesterday. Leila Andy Fernandez and Felix Ojeali seem they're out, uh, but Bianca Andreescu and Rebecca Moreno. Both book spots in the third round. Moreno will take on Zhang Shui on Friday. Andreescu will take on Francis Caroline Garcia. Denis Shapovalov currently in action right now against Spain's Roberto Carbelis Bena. Chapo took the first set, dropped the second set. They're in the third set. Chapo up two games to one. And uh, happening right now, well, last night we'll talk Serena Williams uh, in front of a record, a crowd at Arthur Ashe Stadium. Get this, 29,959 people, almost 30,000 people. In attendance to watch Serena Williams, very vintage Serena performance, beating the number two player on the planet in Annette Contaviet. Uh, she's currently playing with her sister right now on Arthur Ashe in doubles action. This one's still in the first set, uh, taking on a couple uh, members of Czech Republic, Linda Noskova and Lucy uh, Hradeka. Uh, the Williams sisters lead the first set three games to two. Tomorrow in singles action, Serena will take on her third round opponent, Alia Tomajanovic. Uh, so who knows, Serena? She's playing with house money now, plus eighteen hundred to win the whole thing on Bet three sixty five. Yeah, it looked like the crowd was incredible. Tiger was all yeah. fired up, <laughs> so uh, that was very cool. It's a dream run, and I'm sure the U.S. Open is hopeful they go as far as they possibly can. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I wonder how much gas is left in the tank for this sort of thing to, you know, take down an entire tournament at this point in her career is probably asking too much. Um, I think we just want to see her next week. Get her into that second week, and then you know who that. I wonder if that. Happens. Yeah, the, I wonder if last night wasn't a crescendo to yeah. that. I wonder. I don't. It feels like the last night was a, was maybe as good as it could get. I, I might be wrong on that. Maybe there's more in there. But you take out the two seed. Now you're playing with everybody who's you're, everyone you're playing now. Yeah, well, being above you. Well, I guess, but it, that I mean, Serena of old would mm-hmm. wipe the floor with everybody else after yeah. the two seed. I don't know that this Serena necessarily has that in the bag as it would be before. I'm never counting her out. I can't No, count you can't her do out. that. That's I, I wouldn't yeah. say that at all. Yeah. So, who knows there. Serena will uh we'll see what happens tomorrow uh in her uh pursuit uh in her final tournament as she uh looks towards retirement. Uh one last thing on headlines here. We'll get to the Women's Worlds. Canada off to the semifinals as expected probably at the World's Women's Worlds in Denmark 3-0 over Sweden. Sarah, P- Sarah Potomac had a goal and an assist to lead Canada. They will now do battle with Switzerland on Saturday in the semis. Elsewhere, the Americans put 12 past Hungary. Uh, Hillary Knight achieving some history on her own uh, with a goal and assist. Pushed her past Haley Wickenheiser for first all-time in points at the World Championships with 87. Elsewhere, the magical run of the Czechs 
continue. Czechia takes out Finland 2-1 in overtime. So they're going to take on the U.S. in the semis gold medal game on Sunday. Good headlines. Thank you very much, Logan. The uh, Americans look very good. Uh, they're, I know Sanders said you're, you're the, they might score 20 against Hungary. I know that's like a goal, you know, that's a lot. But 12 still in a professional setting like that is, is pretty impressive. And, I mean, we know the the depth, the, the gap between women's hockey is so wide. But, I mean, I think we're all looking forward to uh, possibly a Canada-U.S. final probably as Canada looks for revenge against Canada like the or against the U.S., beating them out in, uh, in the group stage play, scoring five unanswered. So that game on Sunday, if it is Canada-U.S., should be quite feisty. Uh, there's a very angry Oilers fan on the text line that is, there? Uh, is throwing flame stats against the Oilers in the playoffs at us okay. because we mentioned that they're still paying James Neal. Okay. Which, again, doesn't have anything to do with the, the Flames and the Oilers. The Oilers won the playoff series very handedly. But they're just they're very upset that we mentioned <laughs> that they're still paying James Neal, which is true. That's a that's a fact. That's that has nothing to do with the Flames. The Oilers were better. I don't I don't know what else you want me to say. You're just you're very upset about um about us mentioning that. I guess it's a sore spot and there's nothing to say about the Flames. We didn't mention the Flames at all. They, they we used to play for the Flames. He used to play for the Oilers and uh, he's just very upset about that. I guess that's a soft spot. He's, oh, Mark's Jewish goals <laughs> against in the playoffs. Okay. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, Edmonton was better. I think we've said that all summer. Very good team in Edmonton. Not not news to us here. I mean, it's it was a trade that was made, and yeah, they he got was, a PTO today, so we was, mentioned that the Oilers are still paying him. It was, okay. it, was a, it was a big bad contract for another big bad contract, and one worked out better than the other, I guess. Oh well. Yeah. <laughs> Marched him in the playoffs. Yeah, it wasn't very good. Okay. See what Jack Campbell's like in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Some days you just you hit on things that people get very upset about, and you go, "That wasn't really what I was." But you know what? Battle of Alberta doesn't matter what time of year. It's September first. It's always it's always on. What battle is James Neal in now? Battle of <laughs> the battle of making a camp. I guess making yeah, a maybe. job in Columbus. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if he somehow makes that. Team. Jimmy's himself onto a fourth line. Sure. Jim just never Neal. ends. Never ends for James Neal. Uh, that'll do it for the show today. Uh, great stuff, Patrick. Thank you, buddy. Really, uh, top-notch stuff from you. Fun show. Uh, busy show. Very Owen busy. Newkirk joined us to chat some Dallas Stars. Roger Lejoie joined us as well, chatting some Blue Jays. And we had Andy McNamara on for another edition of Ask Andy. Uh, if you missed anything in that. We'll or, find him on Twitter. He'll yes, answer your at questions. at NDMC81. He will actually answer your fantasy questions yeah. on Twitter if you uh, reach out to him. So go ahead and, and do that. If you've got a fantasy draft coming up, uh, he's always there to help. And uh, if you want to check out any of these things, a quick reminder, because I know a couple people texted in about it. Uh, well, Flamestalk is off. Uh, Sportsnet Today does not have a podcast home. Uh, if you're looking for the hours and you're looking for the po- uh, for the interviews that we did during the day, mm-hmm. you can head to sportsnet.ca slash 960. This one doesn't have a traditional podcast home because it, it varies during the summer. Uh, once Flames Talk's back... Uh, next week with Pat, we'll consistently uh, throw these back up on the podcast channels. But for Sportsnet today, just have to head to sportsnet.ca slash 960 and you can uh, find us and uh, all of our content there. Uh, thank you again to all of our guests today. Thank you, uh, Patrick Dumont. Thank you for listening. Uh, enjoy your Thursday. We're back for a Friday tomorrow uh, ahead of the Jays and the Pirates. Uh, CBS Sports Radio coming up next here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.